0: All right, we're going to continue in this series uh, we call Faithful. And today, I want to talk about being faithful in community. Faithful in community. And uh, one of the things I would say that has sort of surprised me in the pandemic is how easily we cocooned. How easily we gave up our connections and groups and gatherings. Um, and I, th- okay, I think initially it was... Probably good for some of us to slow our schedules down a little bit. Some of you were just a little too frantic in your life. And so I think that was actually good for a little bit. But as we pulled away from groups and community connections, uh, we lost touch with kind of some of our meaningful circles of people. Uh, we got comfortable in retreat. Have you noticed that? It just got easier to just to stay home. Um, and what was the outcome of that? Well, for some, it's been really Really bad. Uh, this, through the pandemic, we've seen a huge spike in the overdose epidemic. Uh, in the last 12 months, they say over 100,000 people have died by overdose, which is up about 25, 26,000 from pre-pandemic levels. Crazy. You think about folks who've struggled with alcohol or other addictions. I mean, they spiraled as their support groups closed and, and weren't able to meet. I think about the loneliness people suffered meeting and, uh, you know it was, it, when they were sick, particularly in the hospitals, being all alone. It's just been dreadful. Uh, I could make more examples, but my point is that isolation that we've experienced has, has kept us from really experiencing some of the benefits of community life. The people of God are a family, a body, an army even. And we need each other. And we're nothing if we're not the community of God's people together. And I'm not saying you can't be a follower of Jesus without the church. I just don't know how you could be. I feel like I couldn't do this without the body of believers around me. the this quirky family we call the church, right? It's not perfect. It's far from perfect. But if you love Jesus, you'll love His body and you'll want to be with her. I mean, think about it this way. Imagine a husband who says, oh yeah, I love my wife. I love being married. I just don't want to be around her. You know, I don't really, I don't really like the way she looks or the way she acts. I don't really like her body that much. She kind of really does nothing for me, but, but I love her and I want to be married. I just don't want to be around her. We would be like, dude, you are, you are a jerk, <laughs> right? We'd say that's, that's not good. Like that's not the way it should be. You can't love Jesus and reject his church. And so community is important. We need it to live out our faith and, and we need many expressions of community. In the New Testament, for example, confirms that the church gathered in experienced community, both in large settings and small settings. And so if you're taking notes this morning, you could write it down this way. Good community happens in gatherings, large and small, public and private. Good community happens in gatherings, large and small, public and private. And, and while I say we're mostly going to be in Hebrews 10 today, I've got three verses from the book of Acts to illustrate the early church and how they were you know, gathering. You know, first you've got you've got Pentecost, which is the birth of the church. Three thousand people are baptized and added to the church that day, and here's how it's described in Acts 242. It says this, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. This is this is the snapshot of kind of the very beginning of the church. This is what they look like. They were together, spend lots of time together. Chapter 5, verse 42 of Acts says it this way. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So in those small private settings and in the big open public settings where anybody could see them and anybody could listen in, they were sharing the good news together. They were in community both in public settings and in private settings. In Acts chapter 20, we have this record of the Apostle Paul on his way back. He's on this kind of long journey back to Jerusalem after his missionary uh, work. And as he as he's going back, he makes a stop. I think it's at Miletus, uh, which would be just on the edge there of, of Turkey. And, and the Ephesian elders come down from the, the church in Ephesus and he has kind of this kind of one last time with them. And one of the things he says to them is recorded in Acts 20.20. 20. He says, You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. Even there, Paul made this point of large group, small group, public, private. That's, community happens in those ways. And around the world today, uh, the church is gathering in, honestly, in mostly in small settings, homes, backyards, barns, my, my parents who are in Canada, uh, and, and the church in Canada, I'm not sure that it's going to recover from the pandemic because they've been kind of so retreated. But, uh, my parents gathered with their church group, uh, in a barn, their home group. They've gathered in a barn. They call it Barn Church. And they, they put the church service up on a, on a screen and they worship together because they got, they were just so craving community of God's people. And, um, some days it's been cold and damp. And I think when it's really snowy, they've taken a break. But uh, it's awesome. They needed that. And I, I, I think, you know, there are things we can experience and do in a large group that you can't do and experience in a small group. You know, if we brought the whole worship team into my living room for for connection group, it would be a little overwhelming. Right. So I love that we can do that here. But um, there's things you can do in a small group that you can't do in a big group. So we need both, uh, and we've always needed both. And I, I honestly really believe that the time is coming, um, that a home-based church is going to be essential. It's in fact, it's going to be what the norm will be. I think that time is coming when we won't really have the option to gather in large, large settings, as is the experience of most of the world right now. But we do need both. Now, once we've committed to community, okay. How does it work? Well, what what actually needs to happen? Um, we're going to look at this now where we're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. So we're deep into the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 10. And we're looking at for some some ways to be faithful in community. I'll say this about Hebrews. Hebrews is a remarkable book and really builds chapter by chapter. If you're ever going to read the book of Hebrews, start at the beginning and read all the way through because it's a building kind of book as he builds a case, uh, makes all these parallels to kind of the Old Testament experience, the Hebrew worship experience, to how Jesus has fulfilled that. And Jesus becomes our way to the Father. So um, let's read together Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 19. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of jesus by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body and since we have a great priest over the house of god okay i'm just going to pause there okay so those are all the parallels we're talking about jesus is our high priest he speaks about a holy place that's a reference to uh in a spiritual sense the the physical place of the temple that had an inner courtyard i mean inner place Hidden by a big massive curtain and only the priest could go in there and only once a year and, and, and at, when Jesus was on the cross that, that curtain was torn open and that holy place was exposed because God has made that uh, available to us. So now he's talking about these in spiritual terms, not just physical terms. Alright? So his, um, opened for us through the curtain, that is his body and since we have a great Priest over the house of God. Verse 22, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. It's a reference to baptism. Verse 23, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This, if you go, when we get into, to verses 22 and falling, the, the writer here is going to give us three kind of challenges. Um, Uh, You know steps in our relationship. First, he says, let us, verse 22, let us draw near to God. Okay. That's something you can do on your own, but you can also do together, right? With a sincere heart and full of faith. Verse 23, he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Again, something you can kind of do on your own and develop that, but you can also do it together. But then in verse 24, he gives us this, something we can only do with God's people we can only do together verse 24 and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds you can't do that by yourself you have to do that with others let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds and then he goes on to say not giving up meeting together some someone the habit of doing here's how i want to say this for healthy community We need to make room for correction through connection. We want to make room for correction through connection. And I i admit, maybe correction is a little bit too strong a word in there for this business of spurring one another on to love and to good deeds, but it's part of it for sure. It's part of it. Uh, We need to push each other a little sometimes. Like in my life, I need sometimes, I need someone to prompt me, to give me a nudge to inspire me, to steer me, to hold me accountable, to challenge me, and sometimes yes, to call me out on something. To say, "Hey, this isn't working." Tell me, let me know when I'm when I'm in the wrong in relationship from someone who's already we have, we have a good relationship. And we touched on this a few weeks back when we said, "Let yourself be taught and led well," as we talked about um, in our service together. But let yourself be taught and led well. But this takes it even further. I think it can be hard to admit when we're in the wrong. Sometimes we don't even see it. We don't really think that we've done anything wrong. We haven't made a mistake. We have blind spots, right? And then we really will need a brother or sister in Christ who we trust to come along and say, hey, I need to talk to you about something. I'm going to give you a personal and embarrassing example of how this happened to me recently. Becky and I uh, were on vacation um, in a in a predominantly Muslim nation back in September, October, and we were visiting some of our ministry groups and stuff that's happening there. It was, it was a great experience. But we attended this conference, a Christian conference, Bible conference, for a weekend. And, um, okay, what do you do when you're in a place where you just have your seat and, and you have stuff with you and you need to set it down somewhere, where do you set it? Okay, you don't have anything next to you. You have only, you can't sit on a chair. If you have a chair, you would do that. You normally put it on the floor, wouldn't you? Am I the only one that would do that? i put my stuff down on the floor. Well, so I have my Bible, my notebook, all my stuff. And, you know, we're in worship and stuff. Well, I got to set it up. So I set it down on the floor. I didn't realize the cultural inappropriateness of this. In a predominantly Muslim culture, even Muslims with a back, I mean, Christians from a Muslim background, uh, the holy book cannot go on the floor. It must be elevated. And what's worse, so I had someone had to pull me aside and say, hey, what you did by putting the Bible on the floor was really offensive to a lot of us. Like, I am so sorry. Yeah. And while it was there, your foot touched it. They were watching. I was so embarrassed. I was just mortified. I'm like, I didn't know. I am so sorry. Right. It's just totally different cultural experience. But you know what? It was okay. Like I needed to be in that correct in that situation. So I don't, you know, wouldn't do that again. Be nice to have known that before it happened, but hey. It's important that these, that we, you know, find correction through connection. Proverbs 27 verse 6 puts it this way. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So an enemy is like so nice to you, they butter you up, they flatter you, but a wound from a friend can be trusted. Hey, I'm going to tell you something that's going to be hard to hear. But I'm your friend, so you can trust it. If we love each other in the body of Christ, it may mean at times we have to call each other out. We might say, hey, we need to take care of something here. We've got to spur each other on to love and good deeds. So can you remain in connection for correction if needed? Because it's essential in community. Now, the author does add an admonition here when he says in verse 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Not giving up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing this. Isn't this amazing? We are maybe 30 to 40 years into the church, right? From the birth of the church. And already people are slacking off. They're they're in the habit of not meeting together. Uh, they're finding excuses not to gather. And, and it makes me think we need to be careful what we give up they were in the habit of giving up meeting together and i would ask it this way like will we give up meeting together or will we give up the right things if you're taking notes today you could write down you know give up the right things for community to happen i'm always impressed when someone makes major life changes to kind of you know change themselves maybe they make a major adjustment in what they eat and they lose a bunch of weight or they get into a recovery group to deal with an addiction to alcohol or something else or they discipline themselves to learn a new skill, maybe learn a language or learn an instrument. Like, I love that. I mean, I am so impressed by that. I find those things so hard. And in every case, if that's you, in every case, you gave something up for the next thing to happen, right? You gave up carbs or you you gave up, Alcohol, or you gave up time in front of the TV so you could learn to play the guitar, or whatever it is, you gave something up. No accomplishment happens without giving up something. And so, the same would be true in the life of our community together, of God's family. What am I giving up for the sake of good community? Like, as a believer, you simply have to stay connected to the church family. Not the bare minimum. Not not just eking out the, the 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 least possible, but look for ways to stay engaged and even more. Right? He says not giving up meeting together, but encourage each other all the more. In other words, like do the extra. That's one of the reasons why you know I've I've encouraged you so much to to find ways when there's an extra event or something, just go be a part of it, take it in, right? To keep my commitment to the body, to to life and community. I'm going to have to give some things up. So what am I prepared to give up? Is it, you know, will I give up comfort and convenience? Will I give up privacy and isolation? Will I give up some of, you know, my money and resources to support the body? Will I give up my preferences in meeting times and location and music style or whatever? You could come up with any, any long list. Um it's what's one thing that's been interesting in the, the 21 days is as folks have kind of gone to these different worship services and a number of you i have seen a few of you there you know you're like man i'm learning new songs i'm hearing different people speak i'm 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 kind of exposed to different ways of worship and it's good for you it's good for the body to do that uh, i would really encourage you to to take in the service at cornerstone tonight at seven o'clock you're it's not going to be like we do church here Sunday morning. It'll be a little different and it's good. You're connecting to the body. So what can I, or what will I give up for a healthy thriving community experience? Cause we want to give up the right things. And I will say this, you know, in the last couple of years, as I've observed uh, churches, you know, in different parts of the world, in parts of our Valley, um, the churches that have grown are the churches that have found ways to stay connected, to stay open, to find ways to meet and worship and gather in some way and it, to continue to proclaim the gospel, to recognize that when a community is in crisis, the church, people need the church. And, um, you know, churches that have said, we have to obey God rather than people. And those are the churches that, that regardless of whether you think they, they were right or wrong, those are the churches that are thriving today and that have grown in the last couple of years. Finally, at the end of verse 25, we read that he says to be encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day. Well, that's quite a reference. The day. Well, the day, what is that? That's the day of the Lord's appearing. When he, we'll see him in the clouds and Jesus will gather all those who are his, the living and the dead, to himself. The Christian lives in an open expectation of the day, the day of the Lord. We live consciously, we live aware of it. We, we're we anticipating it. We're looking forward to it. It guides and it motivates us in our life. Yesterday, uh, well, actually Thursday, uh Becky and I were, we there's a couple of, you know, speakers that we follow on our telegram channels and, and uh we saw there was a conference on Saturday in Anaheim and uh, my Saturday opened up and she had the day off and we're like, should we go to Anaheim for a conference? Yeah, let's do it. So Friday afternoon we drove down, endured all the traffic and sat through this conference yesterday and it was, I mean, it was great. And was it the most amazing thing we've ever experienced? No, but it was good. And and we went because it happened to be a conference on um, things about the end times and and good Bible teaching. And you know, I want to get more equipped. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to kind of develop a better understanding of of God's word in my life. And so it took an investment of time, money. You know, sitting in the car for many hours. And I'm a little tired today, I'll confess to you. But it was a really great experience to be in community with God's people. And you gotta make those investments. Like, like go out of your familiar space to have these, to, for these things to happen because we wanna be ready for the day of the Lord. Talking about the day of the Lord is not meant to scare you, but to prepare you for what's to come. And according to Hebrews ten twenty five, it's meant to encourage each other. And of course, everyone needs encouragement. Everyone needs to be encouraged. And the experience of the community of God's people to be together is meant to encourage you. If you walk away from a gathering with God's people and you feel condemned instead of encouraged, something's wrong. Uh, yeah, sometimes, like I said earlier, sometimes we walk away with a rebuke or a little conviction of wrongdoing or, a, you know, a challenge or s- the spirit of stirring something, right? Get maybe a little unsettled for good reasons. But I, I, we find encouragement in the body and you say, well, you know, I can get encouraged in other ways. Here's what I know. It may not be perfect, but there's no encouragement when I'm not with the body at all. So we need, to, we need each other for encouragement. And of course, I think we can get better at it. Everybody can, no matter how good we are, we can get better at it. But we need to be encouraged. I'll give you one more personal example from that, from the 21 days. One of the services this week had, uh, I knew, uh, I'll just confess, I wasn't super looking forward to it. I, I knew about the church and I'm like, oh, the music is definitely not going to be my jam. And I kind of know how they do things there. I don't really want to go that much. And Becky said, I'll go with you. I'm like, yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I know I'll be glad I went. So that's why I'm going to go. And sure enough, it was not really my jam, <laughs> right? But there was a point at which we were asked to pray with somebody else. And I got to pray with a guy I've never met before. And uh, he just really needed prayer for some heavy duty stuff. And it was so awesome praying together. And I came away from that experience excited. And my tank was filled up. I'm like, I probably didn't have the best attitude going in there, but God kind of went over and above that. And I thought, man, if I was just there for him, that was 100% worth it. Because by being able to encourage him, I was super encouraged. And I was so thankful for that experience. And so everybody needs encouragement. And so when you gather with God's people, look for ways to be an encourager. We can really do well at this, right? Compliment somebody. Pray with someone. Take notes when we study the word thank a leader, show appreciation to a volunteer, like in in whatever ways you can find ways to like be an encouragement to the people around you. Um, When, when we wrap up here today, as you're kind of chatting with friends, if someone shares something with you, just, say, Hey, do you want me to pray about that? And we'll just pray together. Or you can just find ways to say, even if it's something super simple, like, Oh, you look great today. Like be an encourager. All right, we're going to wrap up in just a few minutes here. And I, I to do that, I want to come back to this business of the day approaching. The day approaching. Jesus taught um, a whole... There's a great chapter. Luke 21 is a kind of an expression of what Jesus taught us about what to expect in the end of things. And in verse 36 of Luke 21, he says, Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that's about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. You know, it's not a bad thing to want to escape hard things, difficult times, trials. We can pray, Lord, I would love to escape the difficulties to come. But we need to gather so we help each other be ready for the day. That is approaching jesus said the day is going to come unexpectedly But that we can be ready for it Right. I think about as a, when I was a kid Uh, I uh, was often in a carpool to get to school and a couple of carpool people didn't always Like they weren't very good about time So you didn't know when they were going to arrive. You just knew that you had to be ready So you're standing on the end of the driveway waiting for that pickup, right? I don't know when they're coming, but I know that they are coming They may come unexpectedly, but I'm ready. And that's the kind of sense that we have. Jesus warned us that times would get really rough in the last days, but that we could endure to the end. He warned us uh, that there will be signs to watch for at the end. And I firmly believe we're seeing those things come to pass uh, right now. And I would say that the enemy has in particular, I mean, a tool of the enemy in particular in the last two years has been to generate a lot of fear. Fear of sickness, fear of death, and he's used that to really devastate people's faith, to really rattle you, really shake you about, can I really trust God? Um, if you really know the Lord, you know that your days are already numbered and nothing can take you until the day that He is appointed for you. Should that day come before the day, when He calls us, home. And yes, we pray for healing and God still heals. And and we don't understand the, you know, how, the timing of things and how God works and 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 the suffering people go through. But for our loved ones who die knowing Jesus, it is far better for them even though we are devastated by the loss of and you know the grief we experience in their death. If we fear anything, we ought to fear that there are loved ones who will die without knowing Jesus. That's what we fear. We don't fear death. We face death. And we live to make Jesus known because we are anticipating the day when Jesus appears. Church, now is not the time to give up on the body of Christ. It's really not. Encourage one another. to to make the effort and the sacrifice, to do more than the bare minimum, keeping in mind that you harvest what you plant, what you invest is according to how you will reap. We want to be a strong and ready church for the day when the Lord returns. So we don't give up meeting together, but instead we encourage one another and all the more as the day approaches. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank You for Your Word and for reminding us that um, You have not abandoned us. And the day is coming when You will return. You will appear and You will gather us to Yourself. And Lord, I'm looking forward to that. We say, Jesus, come quickly. We want to be ready And we want to make as many people around us ready with us as we can. Lord, forgive us when we have been casual and nonchalant about this. Forgive us when we've had a careless attitude about the body, about gathering in community. We want to be ready in every sense. We want to be encouragers to one another. We thank You for Your church. Thank You for all that You've given to us in the, in the family of faith. Thank you for your presence here, Holy Spirit, and for your word, we pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchPresno.com.